This podcast was created using Loved it. I just Loved wanted it. to experiment, make sure I still had it. Oh, babe, you got it. You've got that elusive yeah. it. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. have but it. You gotta have a lot of range when you're doing spooky ghost. Oh my god, you had so many ghosts and goblins just in the first mm-hmm. minute. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if I didn't have my Halloween fix on, now I would. That would that would well, have done. I know you have your fix on. I do. I don't, I don't require very much. A little Halloween goes a long way with me. Well. We had a great Halloween pre-celebration. Tell the kids. This week we had over our sweet, sweet Madeline. Yes. And her sweet, sweet fiancé, Brandon. B. B. Brandon, you're so spooky. <laughs> and we Are all... Are you going to oh, marry no. my daughter? <laughs> Better be careful, Brandon. <laughs> I would like to record that. Just, okay. And then we can just send it to him. I think we're going to. I think that's what it's, we need to it's do. It's best. <laughs> it's best. Um. So this. So this week. What was it? Thursday. They came over and we had bought pumpkins, and we bought a lot of pumpkins. Okay, people. Oh, yeah. I also tried out a new pumpkin stew recipe. Oh. It was everything. It was everything. It was a beef stew. Um, and honestly, the best part about it is you eat it out of a small pumpkin. So it was a highlight, right? Oh, my God. It was like it, you should definitely put that in a recipe book. And, and Yes, I'm know. going to. That will be one of my seasonal things. And we took photos, I believe, and posted mm-hmm. them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we carved pumpkins, which is... So Halloween is one of my favorite holidays. It's pretty much Halloween and Christmas. I like Arbor Day <laughs> and Tish Above. But that's me. Oh, I'm, no. I'm crazy. You're not well. Yeah. Um, no, so you know that. the kids, they put up with me making them come over and eat and drink anything and everything pumpkin flavored. Um I love a pumpkin flavoring. I know you do. Oof, he is so white. You know, that's a whole joke. Like, white people love pumpkin spice, but that really is true for you. We went to the Starbucks today. What did I order? 
pumpkin spice lattes. I did. I admit it. I admit it. But I will say I never had one before. I've never had a pumpkin spice latte. Really? Really. So today was it. Today was my first time and it was really good. I mean, it was interesting. I was a white fluence on you. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. So go back to Halloween. So we had the pumpkin stew in the pumpkins. Yes, that's with, what we ate for dinner. And then... I did all the shopping at the Trader Joe's. Thank God for David. Uh, thank you, babe. Oh, I'm not supposed to say babe anymore because actually... No, who said that? Well, I did get a letter. I got a letter this week. Good night. Yes, one of our, re- one of our listeners, um, I believe the name is Babette. Oh. Of, of Ohio. Oh. Where, you know, the voting is very important. I got a... Um, she says, Babette writes, um, <laughs> because because if you remember, there was the episode where I had edited all of my daughter's likes. Two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. And she responded, did your daughter say like as often as you say babe? Oh. Which I thought was quite a burn. That's shady, Babette. That's very shady. Why would you do that to us? No, no. I loved it, which is no, why. No, no. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, so anyway. Babette. So so continue with with Halloween because there is a there is a whole there is a whole um, event that took place on Halloween that, that uh, well we do what we do every year which is we eat we watch a scary or carve pumpkins and then yeah. we watch a scary movie so and I carve the same pumpkin every year <laughs> very simple it's two dots and a triangle mouth two two uh, two dots for eyes and two and a triangle it kind of looks like a like a South Park character it is charming. It's a charming pumpkin. And it's easy because I have zero um, uh, facility with uh, <laughs> with art as far as my hands are concerned. So when you actually True. apply that to carving a pumpkin, it's it's not pretty. It's so funny though. You're so you're such a great wordsman though. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. But yeah, pumpkins is not your ministry. No. So <laughs> and it's also not Bra- Brandon's either. So he got the biggest pumpkin yeah. and carved the smallest face. It was honestly It was hilarious. It was it was The joke landed. It was one of those like You said it was the funniest thing he's ever done. I, I disagree. I felt like it was a Gallagher meets Stephen Wright. I thought it was a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I thought you could actually build an entire stand-up routine around that fucking pumpkin because around was, the pumpkin or the man who carved the pumpkin both because I think it says a lot about the man I mean you, you, you're going to sure, sure. there are four different sizes of pumpkin and you're immediately going to get the biggest pumpkin and you figure well this is going to be something really elaborate and he spent a lot of time on it and when he <laughs> turned it around with the two little eyes the and the little tiny mouth face. which by the way you can go to our Instagram and find uh, find this I think somewhere um, I just I, 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 I broke down I didn't make it. Was it was pretty great. And yeah. you know, anytime Brandon can make his father, soon to be father in law, laugh is, is a great time. It's often. It's very it often. It is often. I gotta be honest. Um, so, anyway, that night we chose to watch a classic that mm. I was showed probably way too young, probably around nine or ten. <laughs> that is too young. Uh, the Exorcist. <laughs> Which I had never seen. Ugh, laughable. Because when The Exorcist came out, I've. Fully remember it. I was about eleven years old, and there was no way that I could have been taken to. Even if they tried to take me to the movie theater, I would have been mm-hmm. barred at the door because mm-hmm. there was a seven. You couldn't get in if you were under seventeen, right. especially for that movie. Um, and yet, my parents had 
the novel by William Peter Blatty in the basement. I'm sure my dad read it. Wow. And I went down there and I read it. Oh. And and <gasps> I obsessed about this book. I read it over and over and over. And then I was in the in the drugstore Plotniks, and there was uh, down in Cincinnati. Who you owe? Uh, and uh, and we, and when we were going through the the book rack, there was a a, a a book that had sort of novelized the movie, but it had a couple of photos from the movie in the book. So I begged my mother to give me that, and I got that. I was obsessed about The Exorcist, but I never actually saw wow. it. Wow! So all of uh, what I had ever imagined about The Exorcist was ever seen about The Exorcist was inside my own brain. And how do you feel now that you've watched it? Do you feel like you are disappointed compared to what was in your head? Two things. I think the movie really holds up. Mm, it totally does. I think it's still scary. So scary. And convincing and really, you know, it's simple but very well constructed as a movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it also still, it feels like a movie that came out in the early 70s. The yes. editing, the yes. cinematography, the performances, the, oh. the kind of choppiness about it. It has a kind of that that sort of shaggy quality mm-hmm. that you associate with indie films of the late 60s and early 70s. But it still really works. You just can tell it was it was created at a certain time in cinematic history but i loved it i thought it was great i had a great time and i've got to say what i was not really expecting was that performance by linda blair is incredible when you figure how old was she 14 12 something like that let's ask we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look it up but i mean she had siri how old was linda blair when she shot the exorcist which one? Uh-oh. The Exorcist was released the 25th of December, 1973. Okay, but... Okay, hold on. <laughs> You're having a conversation with Siri. Siri, how old is Linda Blair? Linda Blair is 61 oh, years old. with us. She's how old? 61. So she's three years older than you? Yeah, so she... So in 73, I was 11, so she was 14. So she was 14. Wow. So did you have a crush on her? No, I really didn't. <laughs> no. I really, really didn't. Especially as the devil? Um, well, yeah, probably not. But I, uh, yeah, just I just think when you look at what, I mean, she had to actually do. And I, and I, I imagine there's a story there about how it fucked her up real good. Oh, God. And I, st- <laughs> I forgot to go in my rabbit hole. I've been too busy to go in my rabbit hole. But I really want to just Google her and her experience because... Because we're pretty sure that she didn't have... A good the happiest childhood yeah. after that. Yeah. And I don't think she worked a lot after that. Yeah, I but don't maybe know. maybe I'm completely I don't know. off. I don't know. Anyway. We, Linda, we admire you. Here's to you. Oh my God, she's amazing. Yeah. But and also, who's the mom? Ellen Burstyn. Oh, she was so good. So good. So good. You know, I don't... Yeah, When I saw it when I was eight or nine, of course I've seen it many times since then, but when I saw it then, it didn't dawn on me how good she was as a mom because you have to the stakes are very high yeah you have like a creature upstairs who could kill you yeah and you love that that and creature. it's your daughter yeah yeah Oof. but i also think it it what's well, really wonderful about it and i don't even know how much they intended this but i imagine it's either a happy accident or not but there's something about what's it like for a single mother to raise a teenage daughter Oh you know, God. in in any era, but certainly in the you know in the post civil rights era, you know what what was that like? And I think that probably served as kind of a metaphor 
you know, which I think it still kind of does. It serves as a metaphor for what, what it can be like. Now, in my case, my daughter, my teenage daughter, was uh, a dream come true. And that's really true. Well, so was she. The so, little girl was very little Regan, sweet. Little Regan. Little Re- Reagan. Oh, no, they call her Regan. No, they call her Reagan. No, not like the president. They call her Regan. Write in and tell us uh, what you think. Is it Regan or Reagan? <laughs> I think I'm right. Anyway, it was a classic. We had a great I time. I want to know, have you seen Cujo? No, but you know, I read Cujo when I was a oh kid. I hear you go with this. I read, I read, I read a couple of the Stephen Kings. You know, the best one. Um, the Stand. That's the one. Yeah. The first hundred pages of The Stand are probably like the most compelling. That's true. Pages of a novel and I've ever read. Randomly, I got my hands on that because my mom had it. Interesting. Yeah. But you know, kids, reading is fundamental. That's. <laughs> if you- and if you don't know, now you know. Yeah, and there was no VHS in 1973, so you couldn't, there was literally no way to see a movie except in a theater. Or if they were running it on television, and of course they weren't about to run The Exorcist on television, certainly not without a great deal of editing. Or in an airplane. You could see a movie on an airplane, but I, uh, I had not been on an airplane. When did you first go on an airplane? Actually, right around then. My dad took me to, oh, to New, York. New York City yeah, from Cincinnati right. when I was for my bar mitzvah, basically. So, Sweet. yeah, a couple years so later. Cute. Yeah, we saw Candide. You hated it. The How Prince Candide. <laughs> no, no offense, How. Um, I didn't hate it. I just it was so. so you didn't ob- get it. I didn't get it. It was so over my head. I just didn't get. It. Later, I learned to love Candide, and now I love it. Um, Raisin, the musical, oh. which is so good. It amazes me that you that's never... You always talk about how good that show it's is. It's so good. I, I can't... It's amazing that it never comes back. I think partially because it adheres so closely to the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that so much of that book is just like... Just written into the into the book of the musical from the play. And kind of like My Fair Lady. There's so much George Bernard Shaw in, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. in that book. It's the same with that. So maybe they don't want to, you know, go to the lengths of turning into a musical. And, and that's such a financially risky thing to do anyway yeah. uh, it's just easier to just you know cast Denzel Washington and right and right. put it on and call it a day but really good and we had a great time loved it went got the got the vocal selections book took it home and learned every song Raisin? on my piano oh yeah oh my god you're so cute and then Pippin Oof, which classic. was just you saw it with Ben Vereen yes I did wow it you're was lucky yeah it was something that was really really something but you know what was running it was in previews then and I, for years I was just like I beat myself up when I learned later that I had skipped what I felt was the opportunity since it was running to see a chorus line like the original a oh. chorus line but I realized later I probably wouldn't have been able to score a ticket to the you know public public uh theater's production of a chorus line anyway hmm. now that I think about it so everyone's fine it wow. all worked out. Do you feel like Hamilton is the new chorus line? Oh my God, stop. I'm just, just asking really, because... Really, <laughs> just, you know, no, what I'm the hell is that question? A chorus line is huge. Like, that's also crossed over. Well, what I would say is, you know, certainly a chorus line is the reason that the public was able to, you know, make a name for itself and sustain yeah. itself for all those years. And I mean, but I, if Hamilton, of course, if anything, is even bigger than that. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. And deservedly so. What yeah. a good show. So good. What a good show, so that Hamilton. Good. And I hate everything. Well, that's true. Me too. So, babe. Yo, what up? What else do you have? 
Um, I guess, I mean, what has this week been for us? We've, we've watched some movies. Our favorite was... <laughs> You're looking like you don't know. Oh, uh, I thought you were gonna go. I, are we? Are we going into the segment, or are we just? Uh, oh, oh, the segment. Oh, should that be? Is the that segment? in the segment? It's up to you. I don't really. Totally. Let's I don't do really. It. You know. Oh well, the big thing we did this week was voting. That's, That's not really a babe. Is that a gaggery? No. No, it's just a vote. It's a thing you do because there's a democracy at stake. <laughs> And you want to participate. Well, I have been really going, gosh, I don't want to be out there on November 3rd, you know, in the midst of all the hoopla and shenanigans. Right. Um, And I really wanted to vote early. And we tried to, because we vote basically at the TKTS location right by Lincoln Center. Natch. So, (laughs) short for naturally. Um, And we went, I guess it was like Monday or Tuesday, you were very excited, oh, and we yeah. went down there, and oh my god, the line was, was crazy. Blocks and blocks, which was long. exciting. It's really exciting, but I wow. think New York is gonna is gonna flip blue this time. <laughs> I know. So many times I go, should I? I mean, like, it doesn't even matter. It does. Here. It really does. Because I, I have to exercise my right. That's what it's all about. I'll tell you what. Well, we'll get there when when you well, get there in the story. Leads to it. So anyway, we um, what was this yesterday? Oh Lord, the days. So long, but so short. It was a Friday, so yesterday. We're, yesterday. we're recording this on Saturday. And we, on Halloween. Halloween Eve of Hallow's Eve. Is when we voted. Yeah. Anyway, um, we went down there. I insisted that we go on the earliest day because I thought if it's early, if it opens at 7 a.m., then we should get there at 6 a.m. and no one will be there. And... Just our luck, it was raining and cold. And windy. And windy. And we walked over, we woke up at six, and walked over and got in line, and we were just in time to get under the scaffolding <laughs> so that we never had to use our umbrella unless we were walking from or, t- or to. And this is a New York City strategizing, by the way. Yes. You're trying to make, <laughs> it, trying to make it under the under scaffolding. The scaffolding <laughs> under hey, the there's a lot of homeless people living under scaffolding these days. That's true. Good cover. That's true. Um, so... We finally, by the time it opened at 7 a.m., we got around and we were out by 7.40. David cried. Now, babe. Yeah. You started to cry at the beginning and then you were really a mess at the end. So tell us why. I'm crying even thinking about it now. Well, first of all, it's, I I think, you know, you've been hearing this joke a lot where people are, are driving by long lines of voters and someone sticks their head out of the car and says, how long have you been waiting to vote? And Uh people shoot shoot back four years, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's kind of the first part is just, I, I've been waiting so long for this moment. And the other one is just, which I always do cry when I get behind a voting booth because, you know, the one thing about this country that is supposed to be separating us from every other country is the free and fair election and the Mm -hmm. right to vote. The, the right to have your voice registered and heard. That's why it's so appalling that there's so much of an effort to keep your vote from being counted and keep your vote from being cast. It's absolutely appalling because it's at the core of who we are and what we are as a country. So I'm standing there with the opportunity, with the pen in my hand and the ballot in front of me to cast this vote and participate in the democratic process 
you know, which which is the cornerstone, the foundation of of my mm-hmm. entire life as an American, and to feel it under siege and to feel it under attack mm-hmm. um, only makes the the poignance of getting to do it even more because the stakes are so high, yeah. um, and so it just tears burst forth from my eyes, and then I voted. Uh, and I voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and I was really, really, also really moved to be voting for a black woman yeah. for a vice president for the first time in my life. I was really moved to be doing that, and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, fingers crossed for where that all leads. But that's why, and then and then when I, when I emerged from behind the booth and saw you, I just, that made me cry again. Because, <laughs> babe, if you were running for vice president, or president... I would vote for you. <laughs> oh, you sound like someone we know. I don't even know what that means. Oh. Oh, well, we have a friend who's part of my. I think he's. I think he's my this week in Gaggery. I do. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I guess it's time for this, this week, week in Gaggery. What is it, babe? Well, let me go first. Okay, go. Well, this is this is going to be my This Week in Gaggery, but you may present it, and then I'll just chime in as necessary. Oh, no, 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 Unless no. you want to give your I own. have another. Oh, oh, okay. We're going to go back. Uh, mine is very simple. Go. Borat. Oh, that's a gag. It was a gag. It's such a gag. Now, when, if you guys haven't watched it, it is available on Amazon? Correct. Yes, on Amazon. And it's silly, it's tragic, it's really beautiful, it's sad, it's also super kind of uplifting. I found it moving in I spots. found it, yes, yes. Um, when did the first Borat movie come out? 14 years ago? Yes, long time ago. Uh, wow, I was barely old enough to drink. Anyway. Um, you made up for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You bet I have. <laughs> and I will keep making up for it. Until the day, day I, I die <laughs> of cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> Alcoholism jokes. Okay. Anyway. It's never um, too soon. <laughs> so we watched Borat. I haven't seen it since I was 21 years old. And uh, I remember we quoted the first one so much in college. And it was like, oh my God, have you seen Borat? Like, it was so awesome. So I kind of forgot that it happened. And I kind of forgot that he was like, that that was a persona he wanted to keep and do more movies of. (laughs) Because kind of when you do it the first time, like everybody knows who you are. It was a big hit. Yeah. And you can never do that again. You know, because basically it's hard to punk people. Punking people, right. But this one was amazing. It had a story to go with it. Because I, like, the first one didn't really have a... I know, it kind of does. It's more about him, I think. I don't mm. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, I remember too. that it did have some sort of narrative... Loose. You know, in, yes, integrity to it. And this one that had... Or it could be applied know, to Borat. Definitely we had him and his daughter, who is this amazing Bulgarian actress. Maria Bakalova. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she's a child. She just graduated high school and... No, that's not true. I, I mean, not high school, college. college. And yeah. didn't she go to? Didn't she go to some prestigious? She was in a program and got out of the program, and she's a baby though. Okay, right. I'm just saying she's a baby. She had to go through this arduous audition process where 
Oh my they gosh, you had to really fool people. And it was basically a huge improv exercise. Yeah. Um, but I think she's 24 now. That's correct. So she's very young. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she was incredible and she matched him. It's hard to match Sasha Baron Cohen. It takes a lot of commitment to, to the role and to the moment. And she was, she was a gag. Yeah, that's you know what. Listen, mark mark this down. We think she might get an Academy Award nomination for that performance. Oh my god! Believe it or not. So or or something, some kind of Golden Globe or something. Maybe the Nobel Prize. Okay, good night. So anyway, that for me was a gag, and also kind of hearing how they did it um, from various interviews on the Colbert Show. And where else were you looking, babe? You found an interview from one of the ladies in it, the black woman, the babysitter. I, that was just like in an article I read online okay. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really cool to watch. And the black lady was scenes. very moving. She and, was. And, and there, were, there were just a few of these instances where, you know, he, he ends up bunkering down with two QAnon um, Trump supporters, mm-hmm. conspiracy theorists. And they're for five vid, for five days. days. And, you know, he has to pretend to be Borat. And he actually didn't mean to get trapped in there. But the pandemic, pandemic started. Yeah. And they're so nice to him. It's so good to him. Like, they really treat him well. And it's yeah. kind of I like I think what's moving. interesting is that this whole thing is supposed to take place in Florida. And I think they shot a lot, all of it in Florida, right? I don't I'm not, I can't. Can't okay. say that for sure. Uh, okay. Texas, so, I thought, was some of it for sure. I thought the QAnon guys were from Texas. Well, they definitely are in Florida when she gets the boobs. Oops. We can't tell the whole thing. <laughs> but he's, he's you know, he he's potentially trolling some people. And the way they reach out to these characters, like, like the... You know, yeah, I think when he made it, he wanted to say something about those people in those southern states and probably to make them look dumb or silly because they believe this character and they say funny things that are you know zings but but it's not really it actually comes off very well for them because they really believe this these two and they're being the sweetest and they're inviting them to things and they are here letting them get on stage and speak with them and it's just very and of course there are also trump supporters at a rally who, who are like spewing hate uh very loudly but for the most part, these people are just like being really sweet Southerners and trying to understand um, this man from Kazakhstan and his daughter. Um, and it's kind of moving. Yeah, this, the, the spots, there's like two or three of the situations they get themselves into where the response from the, the you know, the cotillion of Southerners right. and and the, the QAnon guys and, and especially the black lady are just just beautiful they're just just yeah. really showing i think in a way that's very humanity. generous and unexpected and the humanity and also some of the generosity of the american character yes so yes which is know. really nice to see right now exactly um so i would recommend that movie that was my this week in gaggery that's a good one babe and what's yours babe so we have a very dear friend mm. who we had not connected with in many many months since the pandemic well we've connected with him but not at length yeah and not about anything political no so the conversation uh you know we talked well actually talking continued talking commenced for many many minutes if not hours and eventually it came to politics you'd be surprised to know that 
came to politics very late in the conversation, at least when well, I Well, actually, when I it was a it. conversation that I was having for two hours, and David joined in the last 30 minutes. So it had actually been mostly politics the whole time, but because David came in later, he thinks it turned to politics then, but it was actually the wait, whole... Wait, wait, so not everything revolves around me and my experience of it? As a white man, I... I'm having difficulty comprehending what you're saying. This is why I wanted to just do a quick correction. Okay. Correction. correction. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were talking about just all the things with George Floyd and the protests and the pandemic and our careers being, you know, on hold and blah, blah, blah. And um, he started to talk, start talking about the Republican Party, the Democratic. He didn't want to belong to a party. He didn't want to give in to the system because he believes the system is warped. And of course it is. Um, but he basically said he wasn't going to vote. And he said this like right as David was waking up. And that is just not the thing you say when David's waking up. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to vote for me is very is a very different statement than I'm voting for Trump. Mm-hmm. If I hear someone say I'm voting for Trump, I, I, I'm not having a conversation. There's nothing to discuss. If you can look at that man for four minutes, let alone four years, and decide that that's what you want to have, right? You know, then I, I've got I, there's nothing I will ever say that, that that's going to mean mm-hmm. anything. But if you're if you're going to say I am. Um, I'm informed on both sides. I I am a straight down the middle person. I used to be a Democrat when I was a kid. You know, I voted for Reagan, but I also voted for Obama. Uh, and now I think that they're both so corrupt, and there's so much corruption in the system. Mm-hmm. And you know, both sides are fucked up, and the system is terrible. And so I'm just gonna sit this one out. To me. There's a conversation to be had there. And this is someone I actually really, you know, I have a great deal of respect for and I care about. So we really engaged in this conversation and and I was, you know, I got very hot under the collar once or twice and Brianna had to, you know, kind of pull me back, uh, which is, you know, I, I acknowledge. But, you know, I was able to, he was able to extract from me what I felt about Hunter Biden's laptop. Oh my God. And then, <laughs> and then I was able to extract from him that the issue of Hunter Biden's laptop in, I, babe, I can't remember what I said. What did I say? Uh, I, I'm not sure because your points, you guys were discussing like, I guess had semantics. Maybe that wasn't the right word, but you were you were discussing like detail political details about each party, and I was doing an overall like why I need you to vote as your close friend, which is the fact that I feel safer in uh, under a different party's government. And do I love both or either? No, but I know that one of them. I don't when when one is in power, I don't feel nervous to to go to a southern town because I might meet the wrong Trump voter who says who's angry about the riots and the protests and thinks because I'm black that I must be a Black Lives Matter like rioter and that which doesn't exist and that they want to lynch me up 
Do you know what I mean? And this may sound silly, but these are real concerns real black people have right now because there are some crazy backwoods white people and they are, they want to hurt black folks. Um, because some people think that equality means that they don't get, they get less. Um, and it, that's not what equality means. So the point that I made to this person, which he, I think, heard, was if your complaint is that the system doesn't work, you have one tool at your disposal as an American citizen to begin to do something to fix it, and that is to use your vote. So you can't complain that the system is fucked up. And not do anything to fix it. And if you cannot look at these two men and determine who's trying to unite right. people and who's trying to divide people to, you know, where they're trying to get their power from, uh, then we're not able to see things the same way. And he he hates Trump, he says, and he's not he's not a Trump supporter, so he was able to see both things. So then and I was I, able to say, oh, sorry, babe, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say the whole his whole point was, you know, it's it's become all about money and corruption. And when will we get back to taking care of our uh, every each other because we are human beings who are taking care of our brothers and sisters? And and it was just like, okay, so you want us to get back to the root, like love. There's only one party that like that's in their message. The other party is not saying anything about that or policy or a plan for the next four years. Or even a plan to get out of the pandemic. Right. So I, I just thought, well, if this, you should be looking at the party that is in line with what you would like from the country for your family, for your friends. And if your friend is telling you she doesn't feel safe as a black woman in America, Never, but especially in 2020, then you should just at at the very least do it for your friend to make sure that they know that they are not alone. And, and then, and I'm not saying vote for Joe Biden. I'm just saying exercise your right to vote, and of course, vote for Joe Biden, Kamala. And then I was able to add on to that that I, as a as your friend and as a Jewish man, I do not feel safe as a Jew. And I've never felt that way in my own country, ever, until this administration. And, um, you know, and, and the Tree of Life synagogue shootings and Jews will not replace us. These are not things I grew up with. I didn't grow up with this kind of anti-Semitism. So I, as a Jew, don't feel safe. And then we're looking on the FaceTime at his daughter, his young daughter, who does not feel safe as a female in this society for the first time in her young life. So we were able to say... If look around <laughs> and at the very least recognize you that you're a white man with without exactly. having with, with the luxury of never having to worry about and, and, and the luxury of saying, oh, I don't think I'll vote. That's a fucking luxury. Yeah. There are people who died for the right to vote and who are still dying. There are people who get let out of jail who can never get their rights back. It's like, come on, that is the ultimate white privilege to just lay back like that and, and not do anything not make any steps forward for a better America for you, but also for your family and your friends who you say that you love and you care about and you respect. And the point was made, and, and you can respond to this, that, you know, well, I, as a white man, our friend was saying, you know, I'm, uh, you know. Oh, he's, he didn't feel safe. He, I don't feel he safe. Can't speak freely. Right. And, and also. What are you talking about? What are you? I, I just didn't get it. 
I understand white men, I'm in quotes, white men are under are in persecution because they're white men. But it's just like, well, maybe that just means take a second and look at yourself and look at the life you've led and pull your ego out of it. Because I think for me, he kept saying, well, I was beat up and I grew up poor and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, equality doesn't mean take away anything from the life you led and how you got to where you are. It doesn't take anything from you. It just means that, or not equality, but like this idea that black people have been experiencing systematic racism, systemic racism for so long and that is ingrained in the system. Like if you would pull yourself out and look at a life that's like not your own, you might see that your friends have really been struggling. And yeah, you were getting beat up because you were Irish in an Italian neighborhood, but think of the black kids who were getting beat up by you and the Italian guys you hate and then also pulled over by cops and beaten and killed. Like what? I don't know. Well, the so you made the argument, and then we made the argument, um, and then uh, the argument was had. And here's the gaggery. Here is the conclusion. I don't know if it's gaggery, but we got a text the next morning saying that he felt like uh, he woke up feeling shamed for not voting, <laughs> and which I'm fine with. And that was really it. Which meant he was going to go vote. Yes, I, I think that means he's going to go vote. And he's going to go vote for Joe Biden. That's how I read the, the text. I, I hope so. I really hope so. And this is in a southern state with a very uh, important senatorial race. So I just want to say that this friend of ours who presented himself as someone who, you know, was open to having a conversation appeared to be very open to having a conversation well, you know and hearing what? another side and actually making some sort of change. Yes. And what I really noticed and what I've noticed about a lot of white people, like when we traveled to Mexico, we had that experience with that white woman, um, the white woman from Georgia. Yeah. She, I felt from her, she approached us very abrasively, but it was clear to me that that was not the authentic way she wanted to approach us, but she didn't know how to come over as an older white woman and like start a conversation with two young black girls. So the way for her to start it was to come at us about noise, which, but it was a strange joke about it. And it wasn't really a joke. We couldn't figure out what was happening. And I said, I think this woman actually like really wants to talk to us. And so I'm not going to write her off, even though she absolutely could be written off at this moment. So we sat and we had a full conversation with her. And I felt, and you said this afterward, that it was probably the most important thing we did there because she doesn't get to talk to black people, especially black women, often and talk about things like COVID. And, you know, she was in Georgia and we were in, um, we had come from New York and she, she had, it was a you know badge of honor that she hadn't been tested for COVID. And anyway, like this woman who I probably would never have anything in common with, I sat and I talked with, we talked with and we laughed with and she was fine. And you said that's probably the most important thing we've done because that's the conversations those older white people need to have with young black people to understand that that we we're all the same, you know. We all want like the same things. The depictions that are in the media or that you see on in newspapers that have been doctored or whatever, and they make us look like either coons or criminals. And and there are a lot of people in between, and every, we're all the same. And 
people just are ignorant because they don't get to know black people because there's none in their neighborhood or there's none in their schools or whatever. So I felt like our friend who reached has been reaching out to me and I hadn't wanted to talk to because he's a white man and I didn't I just didn't want to talk to him about political stuff. Um, and he leans conservative, which is fine. Um, I think he actually really wanted to have that conversation with me. And I think he was crying out for that conversation. He actually said it. I've been wanting to have a conversation like this for seven months. But you only feel comfortable reaching out to people that you know won't judge you or what have you. And he finally felt comfortable enough and I finally felt comfortable enough to have the conversation. And I think he just wanted to talk it over and that he would easily have gone to the polls and voted for Joe Biden. He just likes to be difficult and say <laughs> that he's like super independent minded, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it has nothing to do with being independent minded. It has everything to do with us feeling like we have a democracy and we're safe in America. Um, so I think for him, I'm glad that I, I took the two and a half hours to sit and talk with him about everything under the sun, about what he had learned from observing me and my life and my struggle and my career to be seen and heard. And he we talked about all of that and his that impact on him and how he considers people now. And I think it all goes hand in hand with him wanting to know my own, my opinion, so he could start to form his own and hopefully use it at the um, polls. So let this inspire you because you probably someone, ha- someone, some, some of you, maybe all of you have someone in your life who you're dreading having a conversation with about yeah. Tuesday. And in the hours between now and Tuesday, let our story that we actually flipped a voter to get to the polls and vote uh, inspire you that, uh, that, you know, with with time and love and grace, yeah. Uh, you know, you might be able to say something that will um, convince someone to uh, exercise their uh, their um, their right in a uh, in a progressive way. And by progressive, I mean in a way that brings progress to all of us as Americans, because the fact that we were able to get someone in the South to vote for Joe Biden who wasn't going to vote for Joe Biden makes that this this week in in Gaggery. Yeah. Oh, babe, I have a really brief, uh, uh, a really brief uh, uh, update I want to do before we get into the next segment. So that means it's time for a analytics check oh ready it's time for a analytics check okay so babe guess Uh oh guess what happened this week with the new countries i hope we didn't get followers in russia babe (laughs) that would be trouble wouldn't it well because i've been getting some russian uh oh sure instagram people and i've been blocking people all right, no, uh, Russia did not um, did not Good. add itself to Stay the list. Stay away from me. But babe, who? This is unbelievable. Is it? <laughs> We've added a few countries to our analytics. Oh, okay. Ready? Yes. Norway. <gasps> Norway. 
<laughs> Land of gnomes and what is it from Book of Mormon? Oh my God! Oh, you know I don't know anything from the okay. show. Okay, you were in it once, remember. but who cares? <laughs> um, uh, Norway. Wait, hold on. Yeah, Th- this is a gag. What? Indonesia. Wow. I'm not even kidding. Shout out to Indonesia. Ow. Shout out to Indonesia. And then, and I actually think I know who this one is. Okay. Okay, this one is New Zealand. (laughs) Okay, who is in New Zealand? I think this is my friend Rebecca. 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 If this is you, send me a DM (laughs) on Instagram. And hurry so he can stop doing his accent. Um, but I think that's my friend Rebecca, who was in um, Imagine This in the West End. Oh my God! Uh, hey Rebecca. Hey Rebecca. I think that's you. And um, if not, what up, New Zealand? Yeah. After dark. Do you want a party after dark? In New Zealand. In New Zealand. <laughs> Call nine 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 nine. Kiwi. Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, babe. Now these European countries, I think we already knew, but we have. We have, we have England, of course, Northern Ireland, Scotland. And did we have Germany before? Because we do now. I don't, I don't know that we had Germany. So I think Germany may be a new country on, on, on the analytics check. So I don't know, babe. Wait, how do I say, is it Guten Tag? Guten Tag would be good day. In German? Yes. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Yes. Germany. Yeah. I remember that from first grade. I'm going to forgive you, our Germany listener, for that whole World War II thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're off you the hook. You have to stop. They're very really? sorry about I know. That. They really are. They're the ones repenting for their sins. You're damn right. We're the ones up here still making them. Anyway. We're making new ones, guys. We're going yep. to have a lot of repentance of our own when this whole thing is over. Mm-hmm. Some people should be going to The Hague, by the way, but that's another story. Because that was our... That was our... And that was our... Analytics check. Uh, what key are you singing in? I don't know. I'm just making it up. Just do the same one twice. And that was our analytics. Do we need to go lower? Yes, please. And that was our analytics check. Analytics check. And that was no. Analytics check. Okay. And that was our analytics check. Good job, babe. Thank you. All right, that means it's time for... Call out, call in, call out, bring it up, call in, call out, call in. Do it again. Call out. And what? And in. Go back. What what chord was that? That wasn't I was giving you a major third at the end. I was giving you a major third. Mm -hmm. That's the note you gave me. Yeah, it's a major third. Oof. Horrible. Well, <laughs> we judge each other by our chord progressions and by our intervals. Blech. As we should. So, who are you calling out? I do have. I do have a call out and a call in. Oh, it's pretty quick. Okay. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. I'm a lyricist. I I write parody lyrics. Uh-oh. They're really harder to write than you think they are because you're hearing them for the first time and you need to laugh. So the joke needs to land on the music in the right 
place and you can't do the false rhymes because you can't hear a false rhyme the first time takes a lot of repeated listenings and by then you you miss the joke so i'm just gonna say i love that the colbert show does these little song parodies but y'all just get a writer who the knows colbert show or snl colbert and snl okay both of them that and the, the literally has this is on my notes. Colbert and SNL. Mm-hmm. SNL is actually worse. They're very yes. They're, they're worse when they try to do a parody. It's like guys, just call somebody who actually writes right. writes these lyrics. Call Mark Shaman. Call um you know um, David Goldsmith. Well, call me. Call Bruce Valanche. Call somebody who actually like can write a lyric and knows what they're doing because it's just embarrassing. Thank my you. call out. I don't have a call in. Okay. Um, but I have a, I think we did a big call in for this week in Gaggery, actually. We sure. called in a new voter. But my call out is Black Box the movie. Uh-oh. Nope. It's another. <laughs> well, you got to talk about what it was. Well, it's another one of these cases of everybody is lifting it up because it's black folks in a horror, <laughs> thriller, sci-fi movie. Babe. And because we're not used to seeing it, people are like, oh, it was great. Oh, it's so well done. Here's the thing. That's Lovecraft uh, Country, and we know that was a sham of all shams to me. So then we get to Black Box, and I'm like, oh, Felicia Rashad's in the lead? Okay, well, I haven't heard anything about this. It had just come out, like, yesterday. And awful. It wasn't good, y'all. It was not good. Well, it and was I slow. I don't want to tear anybody down, but it's like, it was just narratively, it's like, Actually, no. It was mostly the execution. The story was kind of cool. It was like a Black Mirror episode, but just like it was not like a, it was like a well. low stakes Black Very Mirror. Very low stakes. Why is a horror thriller like? Why is everyone just walking around, sort of taking it all in? Like big <laughs> things are happening to you when you go and you get hypnotized, and somebody tries to kill you in your um, other state. You know what I mean? Like. Why is it so, why are we so blasé about it? Why is the pacing so slow? Why are some of these acting choices so much acting? I'm like, less, less, less. But everybody was so excited they were doing their first movie with Felicia Rashad. And so they, they thought they needed to give you all the acting beats. No, 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 no. I, 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 I look, I always... Always, I usually, you babe, know, babe, don't even try to come against no, me because no, you no, were no, not no. feeling. Oh no, I wasn't, but I always blame the writing because I'm a writer. So. Oh yeah, the writing was the writing was the worst thing. Yeah, it wasn't so much the performances. And and by writing, I even mean just on the premise level. It just it was a very odd, low stakes kind of, you know, you, the first half of the movie just felt like, well, is anything, anything going to happen? happen? And, uh, and and the and the payoff that you felt was going to happen, which actually was the payoff that did happen, really wasn't uh, a particularly compelling reason to have to we have in circles and circles to have you know to have shot the first uh, scene. I mean, it was like why? How did on earth did this get to this moment? How did it get made? Well, Felicia Rashad made it, and we love Felicia Rashad. We do, and she was actually great in the movie. She's always great. Um, but that's a good call out babe. but you know what you but one. I will say what I loved about it is the same thing I love about watching Crazy Rich Asians I love watching other cultures on screen absolutely they have more we have more interesting faces they're like they. Ex- it's not even that they're more interesting it's that <laughs> that 
was an amazing thing to say. What? We have more interesting faces. Okay. Well, no, because we express things differently. Sure. And I'm, I, we, I don't get to see that. I don't get to see a full cast of black people right. in a movie. Um, we're always supporting characters, which is sweet, but I want us to lead the movie. I want every person you see to be brown. So you just want it to be really well done when it happens. I want well it to be diverse. Yeah, exactly, you, exactly. Your, your issue is... But I will diverse. say that was one of the things I loved about it was being able to see a cast of capable black folks just being just being in a movie they wasn't talking like they was from the hood they were just, one was a doctor like one had a huge house and a daughter and it was just like yes great i want to see regular black people um being hypnotized and trying to kill monsters but you know what i mean like i, I don't need to see a white person's version of a black person they met a few years ago which is what we always see so this was nice to see just regular people living. So, babe, is this a call out or are you? Well, you know, it's a call out, but it's also a call in. And that makes this call, call, call out, call in, call out, call out, call out, call out, call out, and what? hover around the note yeah and i'm like you're like a lazy fly yeah i am that's what i wasn't on by i'm like a lazy fly don't 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 let me land on you Uh oh because then there'll be a little little present for you i feel a pinch joke all right so (laughs) babe um that's that's the episode that's all i got that's halloween wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute oh okay go well since it's halloween you should say your favorite scary movies, your top three scary movies that that you've seen either with me or without me. Well, I guess I haven't seen many, so the few that I've seen I liked, and those were that it, that I just off the top of my head remember that I think that was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist. Yes. Scream. Yes, on my list. Well, I guess I have to say The Exorcist now. Of course. Okay, so there you of go. Course. Those are my three. I love those. I'm going to do a different part of that question, which is I'm going to give you my top seven of classics and also new age scary movies. So classics, of course, we have Exorcist. Of course, we have Poltergeist. Of course, we have Halloween. Of course, we have um, The Omen, which mm. I was shown again at very young. That was one of those. Age. It came right around The Exorcist, and I read yes. about it, and that seemed too scary to me as a kid to oh, even like it's want so to see. Good. Yeah, I didn't even want to see it. So, um, Psycho. Oh, hello, sure. standard. Sure. And one of my favorites, I consider a classic, Candyman. Oh yeah, Candyman. Got to watch Candyman. Well, a new a remake is coming out, I believe, next year okay. uh, by Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's a Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele. I think you're right. Uh, remake, and I cannot wait because I think Jordan Peele does amazing movies, and he goes in the new age category. Of course, Get Out and Us are top of my like out recently. Scream is another one. Yeah. The Ring. The Grudge, mm. Paranormal Activity, mm. The Blair Witch Project. Oh, I yeah, The Blair Witch Project. Cabin in the Woods, uh, mm. even and and another newer one, Hereditary. Um, these are all some of my favorite movies. If they're on, I have to watch them. Uh, I just watched Blair Witch again earlier today. Um, I'm obsessed. 
And we know Blair Witch is not even scary, but it's so it was so. Well, good when you to think me. about what it really was, where they shot it for like almost no money. Oh my god! And they had these little cameras, and they were in the woods. And it was just them. Yes. And so like that girl crying, like she had to just like make all that up Legendary. in her brain. Icon. Yeah. She she's iconic. Yeah. The scene. And we don't even know her name, which is we don't even tragic. know her. Mm, mm, tragic. Is she okay? Siri, <laughs> who starred, who starred in the Blair Witch Project? Which one? The Blair Witch Project features Heather Donahue. Michael Heather Donahue. Williams, Joshua Leonard and others. Heather Donahue. Siri, where is Heather Donahue now? <laughs> What do you got, babe? Oh my God, she was born in Pennsylvania. Born in Pennsylvania, moved to Alabama. She's forty-five years old. Forty-five. Boom, 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 boom. Sorry. Yeah, I I don't know where she brought that up. Anyway, Heather Donahue, we don't know where you are, girl. But, but Happy Halloween, you're happy a legend. Happy Halloween, you're a legend, and what you did in that film is. It will never go away. It has stayed with me the rest of my life. Iconographic. Yep. All right, babe. Well, listen. Um, what do we got? I, I I was taken this week. This is a political ending. Oh, no? No spooky? I don't have spooky because by the time people listen to this, it's really more about the elections Love, coming the election. up in three okay. days. Okay, okay, we get it. Then. So I want to inspire you, but I also want to get you angry. I want you yes. to make. I want you to get you angry so <gasps> you go out there to vote and change the world. <gasps> so last week, um, presidential idiot nephew Jared Kushner oh, made a statement um, about black people. And it went a little <laughs> something like this. Is that, uh, President Trump's policies are the policies that can help people break out of the problems that they're complaining about, but he can't want them to be successful more than they want to be successful. So that was so deeply offensive for so many reasons. And again, one thing we've seen in a lot of the... <laughs> that uh, I, I wanted to read back to you a clapback from Ooh, a uh, U.S. Wait. House candidate from Arizona... 7th District, named Ruben Gallego. Come on, District 7. It's a little bit lengthy, but it's really worth it. Ready? Yes. Ruben Gallego. I, I will just read it now. This is how the 1% look at minorities. I was a classmate of Kushner, and let me tell you what I did to get into Harvard compared to what he did. Yes, a thread. My freshman year of high school, I realized that the only way college was going to happen was first I had to do well on my exams. So I started buying used prep exam books and copying exams from the library. The school librarian is a close friend to this day. Thanks, Mrs. Conley. I was lucky enough to have a job that let me practice my tests in between flipping burgers. Thank you, Stephen Susie's. I used that money to pay for extracurriculars that would look good on a college resume even went to Greece on exchange. Not knowing anyone that went to Harvard, let alone college, I looked up students in the student directory. I called anyone that had a Latino sounding name and left messages. A few returned my calls and helped guide me to get me ready to apply for college. Thank you, Gus. Junior year, I intensified my practice exams, added more AP exams, became student council president, had my after school job, as well as other extracurriculars. Senior year, 
I am, I might be, the only student to apply to Harvard using money orders, but I did it. Use a friend's computer to apply, thank you Cobalt family. Figure out how to do estimated taxes to do the FAFSA. I start the interview process. My first interview was on the north side of Chicago at 6.30 p.m. My mom works to 5 p.m. downtown. She won't make it back in time to drive. I leave school early, take the bus to the CTA, take the blue line out, take another bus, then walk the last mile. My interviewer hadn't ever had an applicant take public transportation to see her. Was surprised when I told her I was taking it back home. She was kind enough to drop me off at the CTA stop. Second interviewer wanted to meet an area with no access to public transportation. School gave me permission to meet him downtown in his office. Accepted. I also was lucky to have a supportive mom and sisters that encouraged me the whole way. They did countless things to make it happen. Thank you, Familia. Now let me tell you what Jared did to get into Harvard. His parents paid millions of dollars to get him there. So I won't take lectures about who wants to succeed more from a man who couldn't do it without money from his parents. And that's Ruben Gallego. And scene. Boom, 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 boom. Let us all get to these polls on Tuesday, November 3rd. Polls close at... So you go to vote. Uh, go, vote. Go, go to vote.org to find out when your polls close. It's too late to mail in your ballots. Take them to a Dropbox to uh, at your polling site. At your polling site or the Board of Elections. Don't drop it in the mail. It's too late. But go out and vote. Please vote. Vote. Vote, vote. vote after Halloween. Yay. Vote because it's the spooky thing to do. Free and Dave was created using Anchor, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We hope you'll subscribe, and if you want to tell us how we're doing, please leave us a rating or a review. If you'd like to follow us on social media, I'm Brianna Marie, and he's Dave Lyrics. Music for this podcast is by Bo Black. Thanks for listening, everybody. Look forward to having you back for the next episode. Taste the swirl, everyone! Bye.